nestled on the western edge of Port Phillip Bay, an hour and a half's drive from the deadly intrigues of Melbourne, lies Gateway City, the hub of the region. G-Town. The last four decades, an uneasy peace has existed between the Anarchs and Camarilla in G-Town. Their borders meeting on Bruce Street in the very centre of the city, the two sects divide the domain neatly in two. The native Anarchs, consolidated in the industrial north, have learned to tolerate Prince Aveline and her Camarilla invaders, and she in turn grants all Anarchs the right to hunt and conduct business in her waterfront domain. Anarch rabble-rousers and Camarilla traditionalists each afford their counterparts reluctant respect. Until now. Word from Melbourne has reached the kindred of G-Town. Prince Squizzy wages a war on three fronts against a newly reorganised Anarch faction, Sabat Infiltrators and the Onslaught of the Second Inquisition. As refugees from both sects flood into Gateway to escape the oncoming chaos, local tensions flare, and the truce that has maintained peace since 1983 will be pushed to its limits. Welcome to Lords of G-Town, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat Podcast, with music by Kevin McLeod, White Bat Audio, Ivan Duch, and Jaxius Music. Now, the sun sets on the city and the blood stirs. Let's see what horrors the kindred face this night. Welcome back, everyone, to Lords of G-Town. This will be the final session of Who Killed the King? Or at least the investigatory, detective-y, noir, mystery, thriller part of it. It's all some politicking to go. We'll see how things go and see if we get that all done this session or if we have to leave on a cliffhanger before we really shake up the status quo in this domain. So, meet the Setites. It's the single lead left on your agenda, save for paying a visit to Dr. White's Tuck and Tweak Plastic Surgery. But, based on the contents of the photos you found at April's, you're not exactly sure you even need to attend to that lead. You now have proof that Barry Jr. was there on the night in question, and you have enough secondary evidence from the likes of Mark Bradley that you can establish why he was there. That Henry, Alvis, the king, was in debt to his plastic surgeon and 
Barry Lovelace Jr. was there to collect. But Sam Stokes, your faithful mauler, the consul of G-Town, has arranged a meeting with the Setites, the gallery representatives. Because something has been lingering in the back of your minds since this all started. Something that's become more and more apparent over the last three nights. That this isn't a mystery about who killed the king. But who killed the other king? The warlord. Baron von Strudeldorf IV fake name and the gallery representatives suspicious so let us step into the den of vipers it's just after 2am it's a hot balmy night and a lot of people are lingering around the waterfront wading through the water or sipping cocktails on one of the many open-air bars that dot the shoreline. The gallery itself is lit up, a beacon of light in an otherwise dark, quiet street. A sign on the door of the ultra-postmodern cube of glass that serves as the G-Town Art Gallery reads private function kindred only this is your signal to enter but before you do how do you intend to approach this so Tig digs under his hat, pulls out a piece of paper, and says, Elaine gave me a few pointers. She said this here is uh, not really an opportunity to clear our names, because we got that solid with, uh, we can pretty much throw Barry under the bus so hard the bus will fucking tip over. But, this is an opportunity to find out more about that strudel doodle guy. Yeah. Maybe it might buy you some leverage in the rant tomorrow night. Yeah, because and... that makes the Bruja happy. Mmm, yeah, Bouncer did promise that she'd do her best to find out what happened. Not that you might not that you'll need the Bruja's assistance at this point, it's just sort of adding the icing on the cake, but it pays oh, to settle your debts. An happy brew oz is brew oz that, you know. That's all going to give, give us grief. Um, so I guess the, the trick is maybe not give away too much to the said arts about what we know. And try and go fishing for strudel doodle information. Does that make yeah. sense to everybody? See what they know. It's strudel dwarf. <laughs> but wait a minute, no, I thought his name rhymed, and Dwarf doesn't rhyme with Strudel. 
If uh, Tick wasn't a Gangrel, he would most certainly know the Warlord's name. But this is Tig. Even so, to Cross at least, it is astounding that an Anarch of 20 years still cannot remember the name of his local Warlord. Do you, like, just not pay attention, or...? Listen, I can count on one hand the number of times I've even been in the same room with the guy, and I can't swear to that for certain, because he was never introduced to me. Fair enough. I'm really good at staying home and minding my own business, for the most part. Who's the Prime Minister of Australia? (laughs) Dick shrugs. He peers down at his phone for a little bit. About 30 seconds. And then he looks up at you and he goes, Gough Whitlam? (laughs) (laughs) Beside you, Mitch fidgets. His fingers shifting, his hands wringing, brushing seemingly non-existent dirt off the front of his vest as he looks up into the light of the gallery. Finally composes himself, looks over his shoulder and he says, Okay, so, uh, how are we doing this? Uh, Val, uh, I assume we're relying on you to ask the driving questions and, uh, Cross, you and I, are we sneaking in or are we making ourselves known like everyone else? Uh, let's bear in mind, uh, Zedites, rather sneaky, you know, type that would cheat on a test if you let them, if you know what I mean. Uh, well, Cross, I mean, Barry pulls strings to get you here and we know that they're, that Barry is their hand puppet, right? So... Maybe you go in, but you just act a little more neutral. The way I see it, we should start off asking them what they know about what's going with Barry. He screwed over yeah. the, um, the Bruja, and it's kind of been a bit of lying from every single every single point with him. So it stands to reason that he's lied to the Satites about something as well. That should be our end point. And from there, we can work with what Ophelia said about Strudeldorf. Mitch yeah. nods and he says, mm, "Yeah, my my sire wants to know what the game is with these setites. Considers them potentially dangerous. So yes, let's let's uh let's pretend to be their friends to begin with, and then if there's any suspicion, uh, cross you and I. Maybe we can just uh duck behind a." Uh, one of the exhibits and sneak off or something? Yeah, alright. As for me, I'll let most of you do the talking because I'm not going to be much use here. Unless there's a stare down, then I can stare down most anyone. Mm, Yeah. You're there. I I think they'll win a stare down. Did I stutter? (laughs) Tig's there in case you need muscle. Hopefully it won't go that way. So, you step forwards, 
grab the handle of the double glass doors and force them open, stepping through the reception of the gallery and into the exhibition area beyond. Inside, you find Meredith. A short, slender, petite woman with long black hair wearing a white pencil skirt and business blouse. She could pass for Ventrude. She could even pass for Toriador were it not for the telltale Egyptian unk around her neck and the fact that the exhibition hall she's meeting you in just happens to be devoted to ancient Egypt. There are replica sarcophagi lined up against one of the walls, a big mural of the Sphinx and the Great Pyramid, and display cases all throughout the room showing all manner of urns, pots, necklaces, and the various sort of trinkets that Indiana Jones and Lara Croft would lift from the inside of tombs to line their pockets with. She nods imperiously as you step into the hall. Please make yourselves at home, she says. Feel free to enjoy the exhibits. Uh, don't touch anything. All of it's very valuable. But please, soak in the atmosphere. Learn something. And then we'll get to the bottom of... This horrible, horrible mess. Sam has filled me in on the particulars. You need only ask your questions and... Let me say, from the Ministry to you as fellow Anarchs, we wish to get to the bottom of this. This domain can do without the petty bickering and the masquerade breaches and everybody at each other's throats. Hopefully, we can work this out in a peaceful, friendly, and efficient manner. Yeah, sounds good to me. Thanks. So, glad to hear we're on the same page. Same page, indeed. After all, we're all in the same boat. Masquerade is broken. The cam will come down on us just as much as it will the rest of you. So, let's get down to business, she says, fingering the tip of the unk with her thumb. I understand you're here to ask questions about the Lovelaces. Samantha Stokes told us that you suspect Barry Lovelace and his child to be the 
mastermind behind this whole disturbance, the puppet master setting us at each other's throats. And, well, we're happy to provide whatever information we can that will help you to clear your name and perhaps build a case against somebody more deserving. Please, please, gather round. We shall discuss everything in the shadow of Set and the splendor of the Ancients. She directs you into the center of the exhibition. There's a big open area where you gather around in a circle flanked by the sarcophagi and the display cases. And then she holds out a hand approaches each of you in turn. Do you all shake? Oh yeah, take or shake. No hesitation. Does anyone Cross not doesn't. shake? Cross doesn't. She holds out her hand in front of Cross for a moment. And then she very quickly takes the hint. She withdraws her hand, frowns, and says, Hmm, you're Mort's child, are you not? Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, your bloodline and ours go back a long ways. Not all of the Samadhi joined the Hekata, you know. Quite a considerable number of them call the Ministry home. In that regard, we're both children of Set. Uh, it's interesting that you see it that way. We're always looking for means of making friends, establishing cooperative relationships, and, well, Cross, you'll soon learn that in this vampire thing, old feuds and old alliances will be the bread and butter of how you negotiate the game. Is this something to do with a handshake? She rolls her eyes. Holds out her hand again and this time instead of waiting for a shake she just taps you on the shoulder and says hmm... Mort sent you out into the world for a reason. It's all part of your education, dear child. And then she moves on to the next of you. Eventually, you've all shaken her hand. And Val, you're the very last. Do you shake her hand? Well, it'd be rude not to. Yeah, so Val... Doing your best to maintain your image of cool, collected Toriador, who's ready to dominate on the social battlefield. You clasp her hand in your own, and as you do, I'd like you to make a resolve plus all specs check, please. Oh, okay, sure. Interesting.
Um, we didn't reset our hunger, did we? No. No, no, it's exactly the same as it was before. Oh, that's one success. Yeah, one success. Oh, that's enough to feel a premonition gnawing at the very edge of your mind as you gaze into this viper's eyes. As you see under the veneer of friendly cooperation, the cold-blooded features of a snake staring back into your eyes. Do you give in and accept the premonition? Yeah, they've always been helpful so far, so yeah, she'll, she'll let, it, let it do its thing. Her eyes narrow, changing from the wide-eyed faux-friendliness of that of Meredith's immaculately made-up face to the cold, narrow, reptilian eyes of a snake, and then they expand greater and greater until the image reflected in them absorbs you. In front of you is the Great Pyramid, the same one depicted on the mural behind Meredith. Meredith herself is gone, and as you look around, you find yourself standing among endless dunes of crimson sand. The air is cold, freezing in the night, and a full moon glimmers above the very tip of the pyramid. As your attention is drawn to the pyramid, something pulls your gaze to the base, and there, at the base of the pyramid, you see it. The entrance to a tunnel. The entrance to a network of caves that runs beneath the sand, beneath your very feet. And as you peer downwards and the sand parts and you are floating above an intricate network of caverns that extends onwards seemingly forever. Hundreds of passageways, dead ends, and chasms twisting incomprehensibly over each other. Something down below gazes up at you, and it whispers, Help me! You blink, shaking your head. You're standing once again in the middle of the Ancient Egypt exhibit. Staring back into Meredith's eyes, she smiles and extracts her hand from your own, completely oblivious to what you've just witnessed. Uh, Val does her very best to keep on a straight face and smile, um, kind of finishing the shake and retracting her hand, making the best display possible that nothing's happened. Formalities are concluded, says... Meredith, let us uh, get to the heart of why we're here. Oh, I understand you had to drop what you were doing, come here at short notice, and I am as ever a gracious host. Does anybody require a drink, a bite to eat? Uh, I'm good, but thanks. 
It is appreciated. I'm fine. I would not be a gracious guest if I didn't accept your hospitality. Yes, it would be, it would be rude to <clears throat> turn down such an offer. Drinks it is, then, she says. Tig, Tig like, rolls his eyes and mutters something. Looks surly. <laughs> she snaps a finger, and you hear footsteps on the polished floorboards coming from the other side of the exhibition hall. An impossibly tall, thin, pale man with long black hair wearing a form-fitting white suit steps out of the shadows of a scale model of the Sphinx, carrying in one hand a silver tray lined with crystal wine glasses. He makes his way into your midst and bows silently as he proffers the tray to each of you. Anyone who partakes may reduce their hunger by one. Cross's head tilts ever so slightly to the side and it asks, Hang on, why would that be rude? Look, when this is all over, I'll have uh, one of my associates educate you on the finer formalities of social interaction. <laughs> and now just understand, it's rude. Cross just shuts his trap. The tall man proffers the tray to cross, and for the first time he opens his mouth and he says, Vitae is ever the most valuable commodity among our kind. Refusing the host's offerings would be akin to refusing a gift of gold in any mortal court. Hold on a minute, sorry, is this blood or Vitae? He smiles. They are one and the same, of course. And this is the highest quality I've been able to procure. But... Where's it from? The man glances over at Meredith, and at this she laughs. And it's not a jovial, friendly laugh. Perhaps even Cross can tell that this is a laugh at Cross's expense. She's relishing in its inexperience. And she says, One does not ask questions of the host. When you were mortal, would you enter a restaurant and ask the chef from where he has procured his ingredients? Was I not supposed to do that? Take the glass. She says, uh, an emotionless okay. expression on her face. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cross sort of uncomfortably takes a glass. So anyone who takes, anyone who drinks, and Cross seems to be being forced to, may reduce their hunger by one. Usually dead blood, blood that isn't taken directly from the vein is stale, flavourless. To Cross, this isn't normally a problem, but to everyone else, drinking blood out of a glass is a formality. 
a social norm that you abide by and not something that really satisfies the beast. And yet, somehow, some way, the blood you taste inside the crystal goblet tastes as fresh as if it had just come from the vessel. And as it goes down your throat cross, instantly your mind flashes back to the only time you've tasted the blood of this vintage. You shudder as you remember the struggling, screaming form held in your grasp, the cries of anguish piercing the darkness. And then you place your glass down on the baseboard of a display cabinet, determined not to drink anymore. Finally, the tall man, his tray now empty, retreats to Meredith's side. He looks into her face and nods and then takes up a position to her right, standing straight and to attention, silently judging you. My assistant, Peter, she says, introducing him. He is a neonate, new to our clan, and he is still learning the ropes. I invited him to be present for the negotiations tonight so that he may learn how our kind conducts their business. Does anyone have any objections? None at all. Uh, Valerie attempts to make some small talk with Peter by asking him, Ah, so you couldn't resist the uh, jewellery? <laughs> Go ahead, Valerie, mm. and make for me a charisma performance check. That is three. You quote, you, you, you ask him how he's finding things here, how Meredith is treating him, and indeed, was it all the jewellery, the irresistible beauty of the gallery that drew him into working for the Ministry? And he's instantly taken aback. He's not at all prepared for Valerie's small talk. He ums and ahs as you throw a barrage of meaningless questions at him. And after he exchanges glances with Meredith, he finally just shakes his head and says, Oh, I, I, well, uh, I'm simply, uh, enjoying the, the, the opportunities that have been given to me and uh he looks over at Meredith shrugging silently asking her to throw him a bone she rolls her eyes turns to you Valerie and she says well what Peter is trying to say is that the ministry, the children of Set, have given him a great opportunity, have allowed him to rise above his station as a thin blood. And he's grateful for the opportunity to finally call himself a true kindred 
one of the true masters of the night. For ever since he was embraced, he sought nothing more than to have status, than to have purpose in our society. And the ministry, as ever, seeking to establish bonds of cooperation, provided his desire. She smiles. Now, I have offered you drinks. I have invited you here. We've made small talk. The floor is open to you. I ask you to make the first move on this social chessboard. And as she does so, she straightens her collar. Grabs the chain of her medallion and adjusts it, making sure the unk is prominently displayed. And I would like everyone present to please go ahead for me and make a composure plus intelligence check. I was all happy till you mentioned intelligence. All right, let's see how this goes. <sighs> Two successes. Two successes. Actually, you know uh, what? I'm going to bo boost intelligence. Good idea. Get hungry, but what the hell? Seven successes on a critical. Ooh, Tig. Oh, Tig. Wow. Tig. Tig is stubborn. What's yeah. Tig's composure? He's either stubborn or he's just too detached what? from kindred politics to even notice when someone's Wait, throwing their presence hold around. on, hold on. This is composure, not resolve. That's not as good. Oof. You scared? I'll have to re-roll. <laughs> uh, I was all excited for a second there. Sorry, I'm a little tired. It's okay. Need to find my character sheet. Uh, oh, it's only two from Bouncer. Two from Bouncer. Oh, give me a second. Val? Uh, Val got two. Two. Actually, no. Composure four. That's right. No, yeah. I'm accurate. Yeah, you're accurate. Okay, so. <laughs> she got six successes. Everybody oh. except Tig, who seems to be too detached from this sort of thing to even care. You notice suddenly that you are staring at the jewel of the Nile. If the exhibition around you is a careful, lovingly rendered replica of the Nile Valley, of the beauty of ancient Egypt, then the woman standing in front of you is no mere curator. It is the queen herself, Hatshepsut, in all her grace. She smiles. Well, go ahead. Ask your questions. I shall answer to the best of my ability. All in the interests of friendship and cooperation, of course. Wish. Alright, um, in this case, 
I'm going to boost Val's composure, I think, for this scene. Yep. Uh, which makes her hungrier. Oh, yeah, well, good thing you were fed. Yeah, that could have been a problem. Um, <clears throat> and I think... I think... I'll pepper my question with some awe as well. Mm. Meet her yeah. awe with your own. Very well. Yeah. It's going to be hard defending against her, but... Uh, go ahead and... It'd be good to have roll. something on the attack, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, roll manipulation plus presence. Uh, manipulation plus presence. I will compare it to her composure plus intelligence. Ugh, that's one success. This is not going well. She got a total failure! So, oh, okay. Hey. okay. Everyone else, nice. there are now two jewels of the Nile. Queen Hatship suit stands across the room. Staring at another queen, Cleopatra, who Val has assumed the guise of. And you're caught so... between two great suns bathing you in their radiance. So with five successes, Tig is unimpressed by you either, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Meredith doesn't seem to notice. And Tig's eyes, with his boosted intelligence, Tig's eyes slide left, slide right, check the thin blood. Is he gazing at them too? Thin blood, or at least he was introduced to you as a thin blood, he is gazing in awe, looking between Val and Meredith, shifting his gaze every few seconds, his mouth hangs open, speechless, and his hands fidget, his fingers drumming on the silver tray. Before they get to talking, Tig's gonna slide his arm around Mitch's shoulders in a, in a fatherly fashion and say, Eh, uh, you lot gonna be jawing a while, we're gonna go smoke out. <laughs> then once they get out of earshot, outside he'll be like, Alright, Mitch. This is your chance to go sneak around and find out things. Mitch nods, he stares back at you, he says, You think there's something worth finding out? I don't know, but they're going to be gazing into each other's eyes all lovely like for a good long while. So, uh, you got till they finish talking. Good luck, son. <laughs> He nods, and then he steps away behind one of the display cases, rousing his blood, and disappears into the shadows. Val, what do you ask of Meredith? Um, Val makes herself slightly taller and adjusts her blazer, just kind of like ruffling, ruffling the the uh, collar of it and rolling up the sleeves all the way up to the elbows. She usually does before a confrontation. Kind of preening, preening and puffing herself up, making a bit of a show of it. And she just asks directly. So, 
recount to me the details of uh, Barry coming to you about our situation. Yes, I anticipated that would be your first line of inquiry. Uh, look, we did not insist upon an execution for the murder of the Elvis impersonator. Well, have you know, that was Lovelace's idea. We merely agreed that it was probably best to keep up appearances. After all, we don't want kindred from Sydney or Melbourne thinking there's a mess here that they have to come and clean up. It's most unfortunate that you ended up being in the firing line, but as I said, it wasn't our call to begin with. I'd like you, Val, to go ahead and make for me a charisma or manipulation plus persuasion check, and I will counter it with her charisma plus subterfuge as social combat is joined. Uh, that's a four. Four? Alright, let's see how she goes. Uh, rolling for her, and we get her charisma plus let's go three plus for her that is Two successes. Ooh, wait, I forgot to add her presence. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> that is, after adding her presence, three successes. And how many did you get? Uh, four. The jousting begins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she takes a point of superficial damage on her willpower. And she falters for a moment looks you in the eye and repeats her assertion. It wasn't our call. Barry insisted upon it, and we merely agreed that it's come to this is unfortunate. Unfortunate but it's, quite, it's quite clear by how she's acting that for some reason... You've thrown her off guard, and the front she intended to put up is faltering. Hmm. Oh. Right. For, for my own curiosity, did Barry happen to also tell you that the Bruja were gunning for our head, or was it just he was trying to push the matter? She raises an eyebrow and she says, Oh, the Bruja now. Dinesh and his union over at the tip at the junkyard? No, he did not mention that. It was, and he promised, to be a matter between us only. Barry, as you understand, is... Well, he has his eyes on the warlord spot. And, well, we agreed... I'll give this to you for free. We agreed that... him 
attending to this matter would be a good show of authority. After all, it is increasingly unlikely that the previous warlord will return, is it not? We may as well make sure a strong leader is prepared to step in. That he is now Ooh. throwing that weight around with the Bruja For a brief moment, you see her facade drop. Her smile twists into a scowl of anger, but she composes herself within a fraction of a second. Barry seems to not value his relationship with the Ministry. Or at least that's the impression I get from what you've told me. Oh, it's the impression I'm getting from this as well. That was one of the first things he told us, was that the Ministry and the Bruja were the ones gunning for our head on the block. He told you that we were gunning for your heads, she says. Mm. Most interesting. I'll assure you once again that that is false. Lovelace was the one with the idea. We merely agreed that it would be good for appearances' sake. After all, if such a masquerade breach had happened when the old warlord was in power, it would have been swept under the rug. And that is not what we need in this present climate, no. We need somebody who's not afraid to lay down the law, or at least have the appearance of doing so. This... From what I gather... Go ahead, Val. Sorry, from what I gather from this, you're pretty, uh, pretty set on having somebody strong and competent and you know, able to actually do the job of uh, being the warlord in the position. So Barry, because from what I understand, there isn't anybody else who could possibly fill that position. Val? She, she, she says that looking directly into her eyes. <laughs> yeah, meeting her gaze with your own. Go ahead, Val, and make me a charisma plus politics role. You may add your presence. Uh, four successes. Four successes? Five successes from Meredith. You take a superficial point of willpower damage as she stares right back into your eyes, meeting your gaze. And for a moment, just a moment, you find yourself rooted to the spot. Your legs firmly planted on the ground and your arms pinned to your side, seemingly unable to move. You open your mouth to protest, to call her on whatever discipline she's subjecting you to. But as suddenly as it began, it's over, and you're left questioning whether Meredith did something to you, or if it's the ever-present pains of hunger that have only grown worse since you arrived here. She smiles and says, Well, there aren't any other suitable candidates. Dinesh has voiced his opinion of 
maybe throwing his hat in the ring, but we need somebody strong, and I don't have any preference for any of the current hopefuls, but if we must get a new warlord, then one that will lay down the law, look out for the rest of us, and ensure that those of us who are used to practicing certain freedoms shall have their freedoms preserved would be preferred. So there are non competent amongst the ministry who want to put their heart into the ring. She smiles once more. And then she simply says, hmm, I could stand up. But I'm not interested in being warlord, and alas, despite all we have done for the Anarch movement in this city, there are still few who would confess their love for the children of Set. It would be a difficult battle, she says, lacing her words with a slight hint of a snake-like hiss. It's at this point that Cross, you feel someone nudging your rib. As if they're trying to get your attention. And for a brief moment, you're able to pull yourself away from staring at these two radiant goddesses. And... You quickly realise it's Mitch, obfuscated, trying to get your attention, trying to get you to come along with him. Uh, yeah, Cross, you much prefer that. He's very annoyed by all this. <laughs> you feel Mitch's hand grasp your shoulder and he directs you away. No one notices as Peter continuously glances in awe between his master and Val, and soon your unseen guide is leading you across the exhibition, out of the exhibition hall, into a corridor beyond. This was a good call, because Cross was probably going to say something really stupid soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> Tig will slowly make his way back and arrive at a time where you choose him. Yeah. As Val prepares her next question, Tig strolls once again into the circle, leans up against the mural of the Great Pyramid, and curiously watches the proceedings, noticing perhaps that Cross is no longer there. Intelligence 3 currently, so yep. Yeah. <laughs> Cross. Mitch and Mitch comes to a stop in front of a nondescript grey door at the end of a corridor. A faded sign reads, Staff Only, on a small placard. You can't see him, but you get the feeling he's gesturing towards the door, and then, in fact, as if to... as if to get your attention, realising that you can't see him, you hear a metallic jingling and see a thick padlock on 
the door, jiggling as Mitch grabs it in his hand and pulls on it. What's, uh, what, is there anything in there? You hear Mitch sigh. If you could see him, he'd be rolling his eyes. And he says, oh, well, I, I don't know. Uh, it's something. Sorry, that was, that was me in character. That was me, not out of, not in character. Ah, uh, yeah, out of character. Well, you hear Mitch whispering and saying that there's something in there. I, as I got closer to the door, I, I just got this feeling, but they've locked it, and well, I, I'm an academic. I, I don't know how to pick locks. Right. Yes. Sorry. Flustered. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Let me give it a go. Yeah. Cross always carries like some basic lock picking tools, so that should be fine. Yeah. Go ahead, Cross, and make for me a composure plus larceny check. I also have a specialty in lockpicking. Ah, yes, you may add an extra dice. Four successes. Four successes. There's a click as the latch on the padlock detaches. You carefully extract it from the door handle and place it on the floorboards slowly, quietly. Mitch wastes no time. You see the doorknob turning and there's a creak as he pushes the door open, revealing on the other side a narrow concrete stairwell that descends down into blackness. Well, coming along, says Mitch, I get the feeling there's some things to learn down there. Yeah, Cross is definitely falling much more interesting than anything else going upstairs. Alright, uh, well, they can't see me, but, uh, obfuscate, if you please. Don't know what's down there. Uh, Cross only has Silence of Death, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. Fine. So, Cross, as you follow Mitch, invisible, into the darkness, I'd like you to make for me a dex stealth check, and you may add your obfuscate. shall see how you go. Ah, oh, one success. One success. Ooh. I'm gonna willpower that. Yeah, good idea. Oh, fuck off. Still one. Still one? Oh. Do you want to willpower it again? Yeah, I don't want to get caught here. Hang on, how do I re-roll again? Oh, you have to just roll another just, three. Yeah, just roll a brand new, just roll a, a dice pull of three. Messy five. Oh, Messy yeah, okay. Five. No, that would just look no, kind of the same. Yeah. Well, I won't. I won't do the messy crit. We'll just say five. Sure. An unseen entity rolls three successes. So, mm. upstairs, Meredith bristles from Val's question and says, "I will admit, if you consider the possible candidates." me, Dinesh, or Barry, then 
Yes. My preference would be for Barry. Only because of the hopefuls. He's the only one who seems to be willing to ensure that rules are being followed. And he's the only one interested in protecting our interests. The All your interests, just curious. Do you have something to add, Mister Duncern? She says, no, looking in his direction. You said he's the only one protecting your interests. Uh, what interests would those be? Forgive me if I'm a little slow here. I don't usually do the political bullshit. <laughs> she chuckles under her breath, and she says, "Well." You're a gangrel, you know, your clan are concerned with protecting this domain from lupines and others who would do us harm. That's your business. Us yep. in the Ministry, we have our own business that benefits this domain. Not everyone agrees with it, and yet it is valuable business none the same. And the previous warlord was not interested in granting us the same protections that other Anarchs would receive. This is an Anarch domain, is it not? She says, and that means so long as you don't cause trouble or do anyone harm, Every kindred here is free to do as he or she wishes in accordance with his or her own interests. Right. But you still haven't told me what interests of yours need to protect it. You are obstinate, she says. <laughs> Wife tells me that all the time. Tig, go ahead. Make a... Charisma Intimidation check, and you may add an extra dice for not seeing- for not being affected by her presence. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and boost here. This really isn't his. Yep, getting hungrier. And I'm gonna willpower it because I have quite a lot to toss. Uh, yeah. Why am I rolling? Hang on, I'm, I'm scatterbrained tonight. <laughs> we all are, it's no problem. So that's five successes. Five successes to her four successes. Takes a point of superficial willpower damage and she bristles. And for a moment. She considers subjecting you to whatever she did to Val, but then evidently she thinks... thinks better of it. And she shrugs. Her smile drops, her l bottom lip curls, and she addresses the group as a whole, saying... Are you at all familiar with the Ministry? And what services we provide, kindred and kind alike. 
I'm familiar with what you oh, do, no. but not with the services. What services? She looks towards Peter, and then she says, Perhaps you ought to take this. Consider it a test of how much you've learned since becoming a member of our clan. He nods, steps forwards, looks over his shoulder at his master, silently building up his confidence, and he clears his throat and launches into a spiel. Ah, the ministry uh, seek to uh, break the bonds, uh, the social norms that... uh, Bind and limit us within society uh, for mortal and, and kindred alike by seeking to invite uh, those in this domain to achieve their innermost dreams and desires, to, to, to look past uh, what norms and expectations society would place upon them and, and, and transcends them, no matter what it takes. He shrugs. A pencil scritches on paper. <laughs> okay, can you go back like five or six sentences, because there's no way I'm going to remember that. <laughs> he looks over his shoulder, nervous, and Meredith rolls her eyes, and she says... Adequate. The gist of it is there. Yes, you well, you, you heard it straight from my assistant's mouth. Our purpose in this domain is to liberate all of us, to strain against the status quo. Obviously, you can understand, she gestures towards Val, as a dyed-in-the-wool member of the Camarilla, why that would engender bad blood. So basically, you're trying to get everyone to vote left. Yes. She smiles. If that's how you'd like to put it. Well, I'm t- I'm just trying to figure out what specific interests of yours need protecting. And it, honestly, it sounds like some kind of hippie crap to me. So uh... you can consider us the Greens to your Labour and your Liberals, if you like. <laughs> oh, like scales. Ha! I get it. That's clever. Is there a point to this? She says. All I will oh. reveal, all I'll say, is that obviously what we do engenders bad blood amongst the other kindred, and the previous warlord was not capable, nor was he willing, of ensuring that our activities were protected, whereas. Barry Lovelace, at the very least, pays lip service to the idea. And therefore remains my preferred candidate for the new position. Oh. Okay. Well, that's a happy coincidence that he gups and vanishes right when you're having problems with him. Works out for you, eh? Most advantageous indeed, she says, smiling. And at this moment... She exchanges a brief glance, the briefest of glances with her assistant, and anyone who has composure of at least three may go ahead and make a composure insight check. Ooh. Nope. 
Hey, I put a dot in there. Sweet. Alright. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna willpower that. Three successes. Uh, four successes. Booyah. Hmm. So, Tig and Valve, you catch it in that brief, fleeting fraction of a second. She meets eyes with her assistant. And a silent, unspoken word passes between both of them. Deflect. They turn back in unison to face you. And Meredith says, Enough talk about the warlord. You're here to talk about the question of who killed the king if you... Uh, don't mind me being glib about it. I may have seen pe people or persons of interest to you at Sip Sip Hooray that night. And I'd be willing to provide some extra leads for you to follow. In addition, I'm sure we could come to an agreement for extra assistance see it doesn't matter who really killed the Albus impersonator what matters is that someone with influence is able to back up whatever accusation you throw out there and I'd be willing to grease the wheels of justice at the rant tomorrow night. Accuse someone of something or say I know something that I really don't. The lie itself might not be worth much, but when it combined with some smartly planted evidence, it may just be enough to tip the scales. After all, it's in our best interests that... Uh, such a promising coterie don't have to hand up one of their own on a platter. But the appearance of justice being done must be upheld. Val is going to peer through her trying to get, like, a good focus on her aura. Are you enacting your lie detector, or are you trying yes. to aura? Yeah, lie detector. Alright, go ahead, make your roll for it. May it work this time. Mom. Yeah, may, may it work this time. So it's intelligence, no specs, versus comparison yeah. substitute. Yep. And I'm giving her a penalty dice because you've eroded her willpower about halfway. Ah, uh, that's only two. Two? To her four successes. Ah, uh, no success then. Or a That said, what is your insight combined with your aura specs? Uh, my insight with my aura specs? That yeah. is five. Alright, I'll make a ruling on the fly and I'll give you five successes just for this 
interaction. So, so you failed, but I'm giving, I'm throwing you a bone on this interaction. Um, so, as she talks, her aura flares around her, a variety of different colours. It's hard to see whether she's telling the truth. It's hard to even get a handle on whether she's trying to help you or whether she's trying to play you. You're about to turn away from her, try to compose yourself, think of what to say next, think of your next means of attacking her. And then, out of the corner of your eye, you catch something entirely unexpected. There's a flicker of black in the aura. Not her aura, in Peter's aura. It's there only for a fraction of a second. And then it's gone. And once again, her aura has engulfed the both of them, pulsating, twisting, changing its colour, its hue, its shade, as she conceals her motives. Okay. That is a lot of actually useful information. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, in this case, Valerie is going to look directly at Peter, making sure that he sees her and stare him down for maybe just a little bit longer than anybody would find comfortable. And ask him, ask him directly. So, what's your opinion on how the satellites handle things? Hmm. Well, she's doing that since Valerie's waiting for a response. Tig will kind of slide in. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, we could talk favors and such like. And basically just start haggling and dickering and asking for explanations on what exactly she can offer and how it's going to go about playing up the old, the obtuse old man angle while Valerie works the Peter angle. Mm, yeah, to provide social distraction. So, Tig, I'd like you to go ahead, make a charisma performance check. Oh. Or a composure performance check. And... Hey. Go on. And Val, what is your charisma combined with your persuasion? Uh, charisma plus persuasion is seven. Yeah. All right. Let's see how Tig goes. Three successes, which is probably the most you can ask out of yeah, this. Yeah, three successes. Oh, do you want it's me to roll enough. No, 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 I won't get you to roll. Seven, seven's going to be enough to get this without a roll. So, because Tig's distracting him. Tig only got three successes, but it is enough. He meets the three successes she rolls on her attempt to see through this obvious distraction. And it's enough for Tig to be able to pull her away, pull her gaze away from her assistant and lure her just half a meter away from him. As Tig stands in front of her and 
words as well. See, I don't understand are you talking about lying at the rant. See, I didn't know you could lie at the rant. I thought everyone's meant to tell the truth there. Now, that don't sit right with me. So you're going to have to explain what the point of that is because I, I I ain't here to bend the rules you know we've lived by the rules our whole lives and yeah we're getting called out on the rules so I mean it sounds like lying would be a real risk so I mean if we got to lie make I want to make sure exactly what kind of lie it is so we don't give it away we've got some people in here who got a bad poker face not naming names is one of them but <laughs> <laughs> Val steps forwards uh, and she says, looking Peter in the eye, what do you think about how the Sedites do things? He's not quite sure how to take the question. He glances left and right, fidgets, and then he says, Ah, uh, well, uh, I d desired something and they provided it and... I have nothing to complain about that they've taken me into their fold. And if I can grant the same euphoria to others, then then I would be honored to do so. Ooh, he's he's so anxious and Val can absolutely tell. So she's gonna press on that button really hard. Really, really, really hard. The same euphoria, you say. I can still see you here trembling, though. What euphoria do you mean? Well, a little like Meredith said, I, I, I was a thin blood. No one would take me seriously. Cam would, Cam would have me killed on on sight if I so much as stepped into their half of the city. Anarchs wouldn't invite me to rants. Some of them would chase me for fun. But but Meredith, Meredith needed an assistant. It was convenient to her. I was there, and and now I I have a purpose. And he trails. And now off. they won't chase you anymore. Now they won't make fun of you anymore. That they won't make fun of me. That they won't chase me because I am, I am, part of the ministry. He says. That's not all you are, though, is it? I... I I'm not sure I, I, I know what you mean. And then he folds his arms, steps backwards, immediately defensive. Bouncer, this is happening mm. right in front of you. Are you doing anything? Uh, yes, I was actually looking to try and basically piggyback off of what Tig was saying, because that was something I was actually re noticing earlier, too, was... Her whole talk of like faking justice. <laughs> so, what are you gonna yeah. do? I uh, just yeah, just as, as Tig finishes talking, it's just like steps up. It's just uh, yes, I was kind of interested about that as well. It's you talk of all the services, and yet they're not about upholding upholding the masquerade or anything like that, which is the one rule the Anarchs follow. It's all you seem to care about is upholding the image of justice. Which, I understand that we're all Anarchs, so the rules are malleable, but even so, that's a bit uncouth. Bouncer, go ahead and roll your Anarch status for me. 
take just an uh, aside to Meredith. How do you spell malleable? <laughs> scritch, scritch. And actually, yeah. two, you go ahead and roll your Anarch status too. Just one at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, one it should dot, just I be think, one. Yeah. One dot yeah. each. If at least one of you succeeds, then you get something. Fail on my part. Uh, that's a fail, but I'll spend a will just to risk a reroll. You can reroll that. And now it's a success. <laughs> success. Very astute, but of course the Bruhara not exactly keen on following rules themselves. No offense, she says. Your kind think... always hearken back to Dinesh is always talking about Carthage and whatever how romantic and lovely it was, but Carthage, of course, hinged on breaking most of the accepted rules of how kindred and kind live side by side. So surely you can understand that the rules themselves are flexible. It is merely the appearance of rules that matters. After all... How so? It's not that the Bruha don't follow rules, it's that they don't follow, like following rules, they don't have a say in. And if the rules don't work, sometimes the rules don't need changing, so they like to be have a hand in changing them rules. So if it's rules they make themselves, or have a hand in, or a say in, they'll follow them okay, until they don't work. Hmm. That's democracy. <laughs> You know, the things I heard about you, <laughs> Mr. Dunstern. <laughs> the stories weren't quite accurate, were they? You may not have book smarts, but... You have... Insight when it counts. Okay. Just so we're on an equal playing field. We're all Anarchs here. And like you say, the Anarchs don't like following rules they're being forced to unless they accept that these rules are what keep things running as they are. Likewise, the Anarchs don't like to think that all they do is put one toe out of line in their fledgling years and get bloodhunted. Understand? So... What I'm offering is taking the heat off your coterie, uh, placing the blame on someone else, an unfortunate mortal who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time on that fateful night. Justice is upheld and no one need think that their unlives are in danger. Oh. You're thinking you could put the finger on a mortal? Of course, she says. There are many mortals indebted to the Ministry, many of whom will, will do almost anything. Uh, oh. All I need do is smile, wink, use a bit of presence, and I can have someone there at the rant ready to take the fall. They are just mortals after all. Better them than you. 
mark it down. So I guess the next question is, uh, how good can you cover tra tracks on getting being connected with Hewlett? <laughs> is that likely to come out? Because then it's a whole mess all over again, and now you're in the khaki too. Good point. We would handle that. We have ways of handling that, and once Barry Lovelace is established as the new warlord, we will ensure through him that nobody asks questions. Takes eyes slide to the glass display beyond her, and he checks on Valerie. Is she done talking with Peter? Yeah, Valerie, are you done talking with Peter? Or is there more? Um, no, she's going to press him a little bit more. It's clear okay. he's, there's something he's not saying. So, which button to press? Nah, they're still talking. Go ask more questions about how the Sedites are going to cover their trail. Our I'm going to glance over to Bouncer for support. Our interest, Meredith says, brushing a lock of hair out of her face, is merely that this transitional phase between warlords is as smooth as possible and nobody meet, need meet the final death over it. And you're still willing to back Barry, even though he's clearly been... I mean, he's already started to throw you under the bus. He threw you under the bus with us. We have our ways. She says, you s tell me, tell me, the rant is tomorrow night. After we're done here, you essentially have no time left. The night will be close to ending and you'll be presenting your evidence very soon. So at this point, you must have an idea who you are going to point the finger at. Let's just say that we share your suspicions, and as such, Barry Lovelace is malleable. Of course, we lose that leverage should the identity of the real killer come out. Am I, am I to take that that you know who the killer is? She smiles coyly. Now, oh, I wouldn't say no. We have the same suspicions that you do. Getting evidence on her is going to be hard, though. Mm. Needless to say, if Barry Jr. is the true culprit, then his sire, no, his father, will do whatever ever we request of him and so you see she smiles once more as if as if she's seeing all of the pieces come together just how she wants them as you can see ultimately everybody's a winner there's a new warlord who gets 
their innermost desire that they've been gunning for for years. We get someone who is malleable and interested in our cause. And you get to continue your existence. Unchallenged by the whims of justice. I guess the only problem I'll have with uh, all this, if I'm understanding right, is that, frankly, Barry is a cunt. <laughs> Agreed! And given people, given people like him too much power is how we got in this mess anyway. I mean, you would not believe the state of Australia today. And Tick goes into an old man rant. Yeah. You know, they you got... Cut, <laughs> you can cut over to Valerie. They, they got the, you know, my, my daughter was telling me, they got these things up the uni now called safe spaces, okay? And now what that's all about oh, is... God. It's like a room, a room, you know, where, where, where they all sit around in a circle and they, they sing kumbaya like, like some hippie, hippie. And this group. is where oh. more tax dollars goes. <laughs> we're going to move, before we finish up with Val, we're going to move over to Cross and Mitch. I'm doing spooky, scary things. As you make your way down the staircase into the darkness and... At the very bottom of it, there's just a stone archway embedded into what appears to be a wall of solid stone. If you could see in the darkness, you would be unsettled by just how much the narrow, twisting corridor beyond the archway resembles an Egyptian tomb. Pale sandstone engraved with hieroglyphics and epitaphs. You can just make out through the dimness silhouettes, shapes, shadows emblazoned on the walls. Images of snake men extracting the hearts from mortals. Of Egyptian princes being prepared for their journey down the Duat. Normal thing to see in Australia. Uh, any sign of anyone around? Well, with your, with your stealth roll from before, you're keeping an eye out, trying to follow Mitch, seeing his footfalls ahead of you, kicking up tiny clouds of dust as he creeps ahead through the twisting, winding corridors, and you travel in silence for what seems like an eternity, even though in reality it's more like 10, 20 minutes It feels like you are plumbing the very depths of the earth. Every junction you stop for a moment and you hear Mitch muttering under his breath as he summons premonitions, as he taps into his Malkavian cobweb and decides on a way to go. You hear movement cross. Something heavy 
gliding across the dusty floor. You stop in your tracks and rush across the gap in front of you, pressing yourself into a gap in the wall. And then you watch, breathing a sigh of relief, as a humongous black serpent, its eyes glowing vibrant yellow in the darkness, slowly slithers past. When it's parallel to you, it stops. Its forked tongue tastes the air as its eyes sweep the darkness. And it does not see you. Behind you, you hear Mitch letting out a sigh of relief as the gold serpent carries on its patrol, sending deeper and deeper. And then Mitch grabs you by the shoulder, silently spinning you around, and you realise you are face to face with yet another door. This one isn't a nondescript grey metal door with a staff-only sign. This one is a sandstone slab covered in hieroglyphics. There's an image of a snake eating its own tail, flanked on both sides by robed Egyptians, the one on the left with a pharaoh's headdress, the one on the right with the head of a serpent. There doesn't appear to be any handle, any means of opening the door. What do you do? Okay, well, Across has seen movies. And so we are scanning the wall for any stones you can press in. Yeah. Cross, go ahead and tell me your intelligence and investigate combined. How much of it? Uh, that is... Uh, seven with a forensics bonus. Yeah. As Mitch beside you mutters under his breath, Horrible, snake eating itself, snake eating itself. Ah, damn it, I knew I should have taken an extra unit in archaeology. Ah, I should have minored in it when I had the chance, but... Cross steps forwards, pressing its palm against the sandstone, guiding it across the images engraved into the surface. And there, the circle in between the Ouroboros's body, encircled by the serpent eating its own tail, slightly raised you give Mitch a smug look and then press your palm into the circular indentation the door loudly groans as it shakes 
and slides away, admitting you to the pharaoh's tomb, the king's resting chamber beyond. The internment chamber is large and empty, except for the altar in the very centre. It's a simple stone slab on the far side of the room. Lying across it is a body. It's an old body, barely more than leathery, torn skin over crumbling bones. The clothing it's wearing, however, is new. A business suit, grey, recently purchased. Ill-fitting now that the body has lost most of its mass. That, Mitch says, that's, that's a kindred body. It, it has to be. Could that be Strudeldorf? I uh, would uh, cross-recognize Strudeldorf, actually. Um, ah, uh, no, you don't have Anarch status, so you wouldn't, but you can indeed search the body if you like to see if you can determine whether it was mortal or... Or, or kindred, as Mitch suspects. Okay, yeah, Cross is going to do that, and while it does search the body, it's going to make it an uncharacteristic joke. It, it says, Mitch, I, I think we're dealing with LARPers. LARPers? Says Mitch, uncertainly. Oh, LARPers, you mean... You mean... No, wait. I'm not getting it. Don't, don't worry. Not an academic term, is it? Oh dear. Oh dear. I must consult with Hawthorne. My knowledge base must be out of date. I. Hmm. It's concerning indeed. Cross, go ahead and make for me an intelligence or wits plus a cult check. Oh, okay. Garths wouldn't come in here, would it? Um, well, if you want to try to summon a ghost, you've got a body. Oh, I mean, I have a specialty in ghosts for a call, oh, but no, we'll start no, with just a check here. Yeah. Um, three successes. Three successes. So as you kneel over the withered, decrepit form laid out on the altar, you're only vaguely aware of Mitch behind you, muttering, oh, Larpers, Larpers, is that a term from string theory? String theory, no, 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 something Everett Wheeler said perhaps, no, 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 Larpers, Larpers, oh, oh, if that's entered the academic lexicon, then I'm afraid I've, oh. Come on, you're not that old. I haven't dropped into another timeline, one where Larpers has entered the lexicon of academia and no, wait! <laughs> you hear Mitch laugh. Live-action role-players! There we go. I've seen them on campus. Yes, yes, uh, 
like to play at being Gus, but hmm, they're blissfully unaware, blissfully unaware of their true place in the universe. So, uh, mortal or kindred, like I thought? pouring over the body, and it could be mortal, but if it was mortal, this is a person who died decades ago. I do have a a specialty in biology, if that would help with that bit. Yeah, I'll add that. Um, So, this body is in such an advanced state of decomposition that if this was a mortal, They'd have been dead for decades at this point, and they wouldn't likely be as well-preserved as they are. Of course, as a Hekata, a member of the Clan of Death, your sire Mort has given you an education, a working knowledge on all aspects of death, And you recall your very earliest nights as a kindred. When one of the Hekata, one who had transgressed against the rules of the clan, was put to death. And Mort, ever the opportunist, used this as a teachable moment. He had you stand there and watch as the Hekata's in Forcer decapitated poor Eugene Giovanni. And the Ancilla, meeting his final death, began to decay instantaneously, his body rapidly decomposing to the point it would have been at his death. Within an hour, he was nothing more than dust and bones. There's no stake in this body that lays before you. And the only signs of any trauma that you can find are two tiny cuts in the neck. At first, you think that they're fang marks, but they're slightly too wide. The skin torn just slightly too much. Somebody's cut two holes in this body's neck with a pin or a pen knife or other sharp object and based on the pallor of the corpse, based on how the skin is paper dry, how it crumbles and collapses into dust at your touch, the body's been completely exsanguinated, which is the only reason why there's even any of it left. Why it hasn't simply become dust and bones, as you would expect of a kindred who had ruled over this domain for at least 50 decades. It's a kindred, isn't it, says Mitch. Yeah, it looks that way. Then it's... It's the Warlord. It's Warlord Strudeldorf. It has to be. Do you recognize him? I... I'm Mm. not familiar. No, can't say I am, he says. Unless... 
Unless in another timeline I was more Anarch than Cam, but no, no, let's focus on the here and now. I can't recognize him, at least not in this state. But who else could it be? He says. No other kindred have gone missing of late, and... Well, we know that the Warlord was having some troubles with the Setites. Seems it culminated in this. Alright, well, evidence gathering, yeah. You okay to take photos or something? I, I, I have to get back to the others. I, I've got a feeling that if I'm not there, and oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute! I don't know the way back. Hmm. Well, let's get the evidence we can and and get out because hmm, enough things have gone wrong tonight. Or oh, that thing with April's, you know, I wasn't supposed to be there. I was supposed to be visiting the Bruja, and hmm, I'd rather not be standing somewhere I'm not supposed to be uh, much longer than than I have to. Yeah, alright, well, let's, uh, let's, let's get moving. And yeah, Cross is going to take photos of the body, the surrounding area, make sure there's lots of contacts for the body and its location, um, close-up details of decay, the, especially the, um, injuries on its neck, um... Any details on the suit? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, how many dots in Investigate do you have, Cross? Four plus Forensics bonus. Yeah, so that'll be so five. I think this is it's, it's a good job for it. <laughs> yeah, five automatic successes. So, what does Mitch see as Cross starts, as Cross reaches into its coat, pulls out a camera? How does Cross do this? Does it it's follow a routine or does it go by whim? Honestly, you'd be you wouldn't be entirely shocked if you learned it was FBI or like AFP or something. It's very methodical. Uh, it's, it's done this before. Yeah, just silently going through the motions as it snaps photos of the body, close-ups on the suit, on the wound, establishing shots of the room, a couple of the corridor outside to determine that this is indeed the sanctum of the Setites. And then, then Mitch grabs Cross by the arm and pulls it out of the chamber. The stone door shudders as it slides shut behind you. And you have to make your way back. Go ahead and make another dex stealth plus obfuscate check. Mm-hmm. Still not a great roll. Uh, that's... Two successes. Two successes. Very well, very well. Well, uh, before, yep. before we do that, uh, Cross is going to uh, back up anything it has there. It'll, it'll, um, it, it probably took photos on its phone, so it's going to um, send those to itself somewhere offsite. Yeah. <laughs> Not getting that destroyed. Oh. And maybe give Mitch a copy too, just in case a snake eats you. Yeah, I'll, I'll send a copy yeah. to fucking everyone, frankly, in the cutter. You make multiple copies on the camera's internal storage, upload a couple to your personal network, and make sure all bases are covered. And then you allow Mitch to pull you out of the tomb. His hand 
grasping your arm, he pulls you back, navigating the network of narrow, twisting corridors. And then your heart, if you still had one, would leap into your mouth. As Mitch grabs you and yanks you across a junction, you lose your footing. The tip of your boot kicks into an indentation in the stone, kicks a loose piece of rubble. It hits the wall with a loud crack. And then you hear a thump. Oh no, says Mitch. As you whirl around to see the gigantic gold serpent barreling out of the darkness, alerted by the sound. It bears its fangs, hisses, and makes a beeline towards you. Oh, fuck. Ross, what would you like to do? Run. Nothing I can do. <laughs> You're just going to try to outrun it? All right. Cross, go ahead, make for me a... Hmm, let's go with a Dexterity Athletics. Okay, I'm breathing Dex. I don't get hungrier. Yep. And that's four successes. Four successes? Ooh, four successes to its five successes. Motherfucker, I knew she willpower okay. This time you're leading, not Mitch. You have no idea where you're going. You hope you're heading the right way back. You run aimlessly through the network of caverns, running past chasms and corners, leaping over gaps in the sandstone, Aware that the whole time, as fast as you're running, the snake is keeping up faster and faster. You can hear it gliding along, hear it displacing the dust and debris with its thick body. And then, you groan as you come to a dead end. Left and right, no way straight ahead. And in the split second it takes for you to pick a path, turn and to make a break for it it catches up it hisses its tail rattling as it drives a fang into your arm mitch pulls you out of the way saving you from taking the brunt of the damage and you take a point of aggravated damage you fall backwards onto the floor your body aching with pain as it thumps onto the sandstone. Come on, come on, come on, says Mitch, pulling you up as he reaches into his shirt, dispelling his obfuscate, raises the dinky little 38 pistol he carries everywhere and fires. Bang! A bullet slams into the body of the huge snake, dealing two points of superficial damage. Knocking it out of the way just long enough for you to pull yourself to your feet. What will you do, Cross? Uh, yeah, keep running. <laughs> keep running? Alright. Oh, um... 
Okay, here's a bit of a Hail Mary. I'm gonna throw a blood bag, like pierce Ooh, it, throw yeah. it, see if that distracts it. Yeah. Alright. You will be sacrificing one hunger's worth of stored <laughs> blood. I had three. Yeah. Mitch raises his gun. He looks looks to you, narrowing his eyes. He says, Are we gonna fight or are we gonna run? <laughs> if only Tig and Bouncer were here, they'd have our backs. The gun trembling <laughs> in his hands. You kneel down, digging through your bag, pulling out a bag of blood, and as the snake's forked tongue tastes the air, <laughs> as its eyes glimmer, you clench your fingers into an approximation of a claw. Use your sharp fingernails to shred the plastic of the bag, and then toss it onto the sandstone in front of you. Then you grab Mitch by the shoulder and you turn and you run. I'd like you to make a wits or intelligence plus athletics roll and you may add two bonus dice. Uh, that is three successes. I'm going to willpower that. Willpower that. Five. Left or right? Oh, fuck me. Uh, Just for flavour. Left. <laughs> left. This way, you shout, grabbing Mitch, turning around the corner and sprinting down the left tunnel. You glimpse over your shoulder to see the serpent swallow the entire blood pack in a single gulp, wrapping it in its forked tongue, pulling it into its maw and hissing loudly as it absorbs the blood and then it gives chase. You have just enough of a head start. Focusing more on finding your way out than keeping ahead of the serpent. hone in to something to to Mitch's Malkavian sense to the unseen force that is guiding you both through this labyrinth left, right, left, straight ahead left, right, there there it is you see the narrow staircase the narrow concrete ascending up into the gallery and out of the darkness. You barrel up it, running as fast as you can. If you were still mortal, your heart would have given in. You would have collapsed from exhaustion. You would be snake food. Nearly stumbling over the topmost stair. You and Mitch burst through the grey door. Into the gallery beyond almost collapsing over each other in a heap. You glance over your shoulders. A snake sits there at the bottom of the stairs, watching you in the darkness. It hisses, tasting the air once more. And then it turns and slithers away. Well, shit. Mitch brushes 
the dust and dirt off his vest. <sighs> I didn't even know you could ghoul snakes. Oh yeah, you can you can ghoul just about anything, dude. Oh, please tell me you've got all the photos. You didn't drop anything. I got I got I I I sent backups to everyone actually. Oh. I think we did good. I think we did good, Cross. Maybe, maybe we've repaired the damage that was done earlier tonight. Let's get back to the others. Try to act natural, if you can. Cross will act like itself. Val. You stand there. In the very center of the ancient Egypt exhibition, Peter the Diablerus, the recently graduated Thin Blood, stands in front of you, his arms folded, his lips twisted into a scowl, his eyes narrowed in an act of defiance. Behind you, Tig's just about finishing his spiel about it's happy holidays these days. Can't say Merry Christmas anymore. It's always happy holidays, isn't it? Out of the corner of your eye, you see Cross and Mitch sneak into the room from the staff access corridor just beyond the scale model of the Sphinx. They take their places on the periphery of the social battlefield, stand in the shadow of the display cases and watch. And you see Mitch flash you a grin and a wink. So, Val, Bouncer, how you doing this? You can tell that Peter's holding something back. You just have to make him spill. Or, seeing that Cross and Mitch have returned, you may simply take your leave. It's entirely up to you. Uh, Val's going to take one last Hail Mary at pressing the buttons of Peter to see if he spills it. If he doesn't of his own volition, it'll come out at the rent. Yep. What tactic so would you like to take? She leans in past his crossed hands, pressing her nose almost up to his nose, looking him directly in the eyes and just kind of smiling discomfortingly at him and asks, who was it? Who, who was, what do you mean? Who, 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 who was who? Who did you eat? Who was it? As you say the words, who do you eat? Perhaps coincidentally in the background behind you, Tig's voice booms. Every kid's allergic to everything these days. Can't eat half anything. When I was young, we found out our allergies a hard way and we liked it because that's how we build up immunities. That's not how immunity works. 
<laughs> Cross just opines from the periphery. And say you got younger kids contradicting their elders without so much as a body of life. <laughs> Val, I would like you to go ahead, make a charisma or manipulation plus persuasion or leadership. I'll take the charisma persuasion route. You may add your presence, of course. Oh, uh, I'm gonna re-roll that. Uh, that's four. Four? Hopefully that's enough. <laughs> the poor little thin blood. He gets five successes. Oh. He stands firm. And suddenly, his demeanor completely changes. The nervous, anxious, uncertain fledgling who's fidgeting, not sure of himself, who won't even take a piss unless his master tells him to, is gone. He looks right into your eyes, and just as you felt with Valerie, your body freezes for just a moment, just long enough for his now serpentine reptilian eyes to glimmer bright yellow in hatred and hunger, for him to smile, revealing his newly grown fangs, for him to say, you should be careful who you who you accuse of such heinous things, lest it come back to bite you. And then he releases you from his eyes of the serpent. You take one point of superficial willpower damage. Oh. Down to one. Right. In that case, she's going to peel away. But leave yeah. him with the parting words of when the truth comes out, you'll be the one thrown under the bus. Mm, and That's Val, how they work. And Val, you'll personally ensure that this comes to pass if it's the last thing Absolutely you do. Absolutely she will. <laughs> you withdraw <laughs> your beast snarling. Rattling the bars of its cage. Pangs of ever-increasing hunger mixing with the anger that you've been denied your story that this whelp was able to call your bluff you're failing and you know it you're imperfect in this moment fell ugly messy useless a step behind everyone else at the dance Val what are your convictions <laughs> oh god uh, never let them get one up on you uh. go ahead and make for me 
a composure plus resolve plus a third of your humanity roll for me. <laughs> to stave off to stave off fury frenzy. Oh, that's zero. That's a total failure on seven. Total failure. What are the odds? <laughs> you scream! And before you know what you're doing, like a banshee, you're filling the room with your wail. Bearing your fangs and leaping towards Peter. Does anyone do anything? <laughs> uh, yeah. Tig, like, does a double take, then tries to run and put her in headlock. Yeah. Alright, Tig, go ahead. Make me a strength brawl check. One of those headlocks where she can't bite me. Because she is looking bitey right now. Oh, yeah, she'll be thrashing and pulling yeah. and scratching and but trying to fight if she can. But I got four successes, so... Val, how many dots in strength do you have? Uh, one. One, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she, is, she is a writer. <laughs> you don't even get close to laying your hands on Peter. You've barely leapt off your feet before... Tig lets out a bestial roar. And he dashes across the room grabs you, pulls you down, wrapping a thick, hairy arm around your neck. He pulls you to the ground as you snarl, as you try to sink your fangs into his flesh, as you thrash with your long nails. Um, Miss Meredith, I think we're done here. Uh, seems like somebody needs a cool down where we'll take you off under consideration and get back to you tomorrow night. Thank you very much, Bouncer. Help me out here. Eh, eh. <laughs> it's been lovely, dear. You drag Val away as she screams and snarls. And when you pull her free of that empty area in the middle of the exhibition hall. Finally she exhales <sighs> and falls limp in your arms. Okay, love. That was a beautiful bit of improvisation. Got us out there clean. Well done. <laughs> Seriously good acting too. I really thought you were trying to kill me. Val. Uh, Valerie looks uh, looks at her, her legs. Her pants have come up very slightly in the ruffling, and you can see her pistols taped there, just like their little uh, little holders. And she thinks about them for a second. <laughs> just for a second, though. <laughs> Val. Val. This is unlike you. This is so unlike a Toreador. If Jeanette were here... If Jeanette knew you'd done this, well, you wouldn't be a harpy anymore. And if your sire was here, she would tell you just how you have failed as a Toreador. Cool, calm and collected at all times. Masters of the scene. 
And in that moment, you were a beast. You let your beast get the better of you. You let Peter, who even now stands staring at you, smiling his smug, knowing grin, get one over on you. Add a stain to your humanity tracker, please, Val. Oh. Meredith clasps her hands together. Indeed. I think the negotiations are concluded for tonight. If our deal is something you wish to pursue, you know where to find us. Or rather, we all know where to find you. We'll see you at the rant tomorrow. Thank you for your time. Just remember, if you ask for our help, we will ask for something in return. Something that binds you to your humanity. Mr. Duncern, I'm making you the one responsible. If you are to partake in our deal, I want your mask. Your identification, your bank accounts, everything connected to your name. You must divest yourself from that which binds you to humanity, as is the way that the children have set. Have a good night! Sleep well, and best of luck with your remaining investigations, she says, smiling. I'll leave you to see yourselves out. Come, Peter. We have things to discuss. Peter flashes one more grimace in Val's direction before he turns and follows Meredith into the corridor beyond. The corridor where a certain ghoul snake will be waiting for them. Mm-hmm. To inform them that there were intruders tonight. Anything you wish to do before you leave the gallery? Uh, yeah, Val's going to adjust herself and tidy herself up a bit and make an announcement. I don't know what you saw there, but none of that happened. As far as anybody's concerned, none of that happened. If anybody asks, none of that happened. Am I clear? Uh, yeah, alright. <laughs> I, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <clears throat> she kind of snarls as she turns on her feet, like on the balls oh. of her feet, and storms out of the building. Yeah. She's not sticking around, not even for them. She reaches the... She reaches the entrance of the gallery and bursts through the doors. They slam shut in your face as you reach them. But soon enough, you're all together once again. Making your way through the warm, muggy night. It's getting subtly warmer. Sunrise is only an hour or so away and the continent as ever is starting to warm up 
summer days start early here in G-Town. Like all small cities in Australia. And as you're making your way back to the car park at the end of the block where all your vehicles are parked waiting for you I'd like everyone to make a wits awareness check please Uh, that's a four from Val. Three from Dick. I wonder it. Only two from Bouncer. Two Three from Bouncer. From yep, so all up, that is at least six altogether. So that will be a group pass. The waterfront is quiet now. The people who were meandering around, sipping in the open-air bars, making their way from nightclub to nightclub, are mostly gone. They've begun the sad, quiet, lonely journey home, and... As you make your way down the waterfront road, the last few stragglers disappear into the shadows. The nightclubs are closing... The bars are shuttered. And Bouncer, this would be when you, in your mortal life, would be starting to make your way home. Saying goodbye to everyone at Club Violet. Quickly changing your clothes in the locker room. And... Pushing your way past the last few drunk, slovenly pigs to where your girlfriend would be waiting outside. The only sounds are the trickling of the water, the ocean lapping against Eastern Beach, the wind softly blowing through the trees, in the parks that line the sides of the road, in interspersed between the nightclubs, bars, restaurants, and upmarket apartment buildings. And then you hear it. Footsteps on concrete, running fast, running towards you. You whirl around just in, just in time to see them rushing out of a shadowy alleyway between two fish and chip shops. Robin's back. This time, he brought friends. His friends brought firepower. The hunters are back. Oh. Robin is the first out of the alleyway. Each step he takes, you see him grimace with pain. His right hand clasped over his rib, 
still broken from the altercation the night before. In his left hand, he brandishes a standard issue police 38. One of his friends, the one to his immediate left, is rocking the crossbow. And the other two hunters, each of them clad in dark camouflage, army surplus tactical gear, wield long, sharp-looking machetes. Bloodsuckers! Winces Robin. They're the ones that did this to me! Let's get them! Oh, fuck are you talking about? <sighs> what would you like to do? They don't get the drop on you. We're almost to the vehicles. They still got about... A cup. You still got about a build length of a shop length away, but yeah, close, close by, but still, still got to actually run for it if you want to get there. I've had enough of this. Take howls up into the night. No blood needed. Calling his boys. <laughs> the howl is the returned. And somewhere, about a shop lengths away, Tig's three dogs leap out of the back of his ute, bark, woo 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 woo, and start bounding down the street. And they'll arrive next round. And then he'll step out in front and brandish a shotgun. Thought I told you to get the fuck out of here. Stay away. You may Last go ahead. You may go ahead and make a strength intimidate check. That's what I'm doing. Three successes. If, by all means, please, everyone else. Yeah, be three successes. That will have an effect that I'll describe momentarily. Uh, let's go with Val. What are you doing? Oh, Val is just not having it tonight. Uh, she looks. At, she steps forward in front of everyone else and looks them all, all of these kids, dead in their eyes, and tells them, with her all active, go back home to bed. Children. <laughs> Make a charisma persuade check with your presence active, please. Oh, one. One. Alright. A full of eight, I got one. Oh, yeah, that's no good. Alright. Cross, what are you doing? Uh,. Okay. Cross is going to uh, move the fuck out of Dodge, for one. Yep. Uh, so, find a way to just be sort of out of... Hide yourself I, and yeah. contemplate your next move. Yep. All right, so I'd ask you to go ahead and make for me a Dex Athletics check to scramble to cover. That's three successes three successes yep so leaving the others to do what they do best you turn and scramble off the side of the road throwing yourself behind a newspaper dispenser just as one of robin's merry men raises the crossbow and thunk, fires in your direction and that's going how many successes was it cross 
Three. Three? That is four successes. The bolt slams into your right elbow just as you throw yourself behind cover and you take three points of superficial damage as you nonchalantly wrench it out and toss it aside. Oh, it would not be nonchalant. Cross is very fucking annoying. Yeah. More like a... You've never heard Cross snarl before, but Cross snarls. As it wrenches the bolt out and snaps it. And Bouncer, what are you doing? Uh, so, yeah, you said so Robin's like a bit ahead of the rest of the others, isn't he? Yeah, he's leading the other three. Yeah. Uh, she's going to... Yeah, basically using her... What is it, Soaring Leap? I'm just gonna like, just rush Robin and try and grab him. Yeah, Soaring Leap! <laughs> you rush forward, springing off your heels, surging through the air towards Robin, closing the distance between you and him before he has a chance to react. Go ahead and make a Strength Brawl check. I'll be giving him a penalty die as you've leapt towards him. I put the macro in first. Uh, four successes. Four successes? He crits. Ooh. With four successes. <laughs> so. Damn it. You leap towards him, and as he sees you sailing through the air, a vicious, bestial blur bearing down upon him. He raises the pistol, points it straight up, and fires. The gunshot rings throughout the quiet street as you land on top of him, pinning him to the ground, and it's a draw. You take one point of superficial damage as the bullet grazes your abdomen, and he takes one point of superficial damage as you slam him down. Oh, we've lost all your audio. Yep. I thought it was just me for a second. Oh, there oh, we go. Back for a sec. There you are. Oh, you're gone. Oh god, what the hell's going on with my- Are you back again? I'm back again. Okay, so. Bouncer, you take one point of superficial damage as the bullet yeah. grazes you, and he takes one superficial point of damage as you slam him to the asphalt. Now, with Tig and Valerie's Intimidate and Presence, they manage to successfully erode the willpower of one of the Merry Men. And as the Merry Men come charging out of the alleyway, one of them, one of the ones brandishing a machete, just stops. He takes one look at the chaos that's already spilling out in front of him, and he just steps back into the shadows. <laughs> Good choice, kid. Was it, was it the one who crossed Bird Cross? No, it wasn't, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> he has a machete. Right, yeah, One of the machete brandishing ones. Bloodsuckers! We'll take you off our streets! You won't take this city! Shouts one of the merry men as he charges towards Tig with the machete. T 
Tig go ahead, roll a Dex Athletics to jump out of the way, or Strength Brawl to hit him back. Yeah. He's leaving himself wide open. I'll try for a gut shot. Ooh, all right. Composure Firearms. No, with my fist. Oh, with your fist? Yep, all right. Yep, Strength Brawl. Ain't drawn the shotgun yet. Three successes. Three successes. All right, let me roll for him. That's going to be a dice pool of five for him. Nice. Four successes to both of you. He rushes... No, only four... three for me. Oh, only three for you. Well, he got four successes, so it's Ooh. not All a draw, right. unfortunately. That's Tig's... Fine. Look, Tig's old. Tig doesn't take shit, but it's been a while since Tig was in a fight. At least... Yeah. With something that wasn't on all fours and, and a bit more canine. Yeah. And so you clench your fist and you bring it down and you're about to slam it into his stomach when he rolls forwards as if he's performing a stunt out of some sort of action movie and brings the machete straight up, shing, cutting through your torso and dealing three points of superficial damage to you. After halving? Uh, after halving, you take... You take two points, sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just checking. There's one plus... No! Uh, yeah, I'll round it up to two. Um, so yeah, that's fair. Three damage. Okay, so... Next round. Tig's three... Favourite... Four-legged friends come bounding down the road. They see Tig wrenching the machete out of his gut and pushing the hapless hunter away. And then they stop wagging their tails with excitement and glee. Briefly meeting your eyes, Tig. For your orders. Get him. Get him. And they rush forwards, barreling towards the hunters. And Tig, while they're doing, while your dogs go for their attack, what are you doing? Ah, uh, hauling out the shotgun and taking out Crossbow Boy. Yeah. All right. I'd like. Gunshots you. have been fired, so at this point. <sighs> yep. It's either them or you. As bad as it is. All right. Yeah. Val, what are you doing? Oh. Val, 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 Val. <laughs> this is this is not her night anymore. It's gone so horribly wrong. With that in mind, her mind is a little bit clouded and she's feeling very stroppy. So she marches out into the middle of the chaos with her pistols drawn, firing into the sky. <laughs> marching towards the kid who came back from last time, who's clearly brought yeah. together this band, and looks at him, shouting at him, Take your children home, they will die, as will you. <laughs> and Cross, what are you doing? Uh, Cross first up is going to do the uh, the regular do of scanning for any like weaknesses. Yep. Alright, so I would like Cross to go ahead to make a Wits Investigation check. And you may add your special... Oh, you don't have that anymore. I was going to say the miscellaneous specialty, but you don't have that. No. 
that's oh I'm re-rolling this. Five. The one wielding the machete is slightly heavier set than the others. It looks as if all of the ultra cool tactical gear he's wearing is weighing him down and he's slightly uneasy on his feet. A good target for the dogs to pile on and pull to the ground. Okay. Cross is going to yell directly at that one. Look at you, you're barely fucking standing up, you little shit. Fuck off! <laughs> the dog. Cross is down four willpower, by the way. Yeah, Cross is... Cross is on the verge of a meltdown, I think. And as Cross calls out, screams out, the dogs, Tig's ghouls, that are as ever attuned to the pulse and rage of the beasts, of the monsters around them, seem to understand Cross's frustration. They change their trajectory mid-pouds, letting out barks and growls as they beeline towards the guy with the machete. Okay, and Bouncer, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, so I'd, do I still have him, I'd still have him, like, grappled, wouldn't I? Yeah, you still got him grappled. Yeah, I just want to, like... Yeah, lift him up from the ground, just like give his arm, give the arm with a gun in it, like a twist to make him drop it, and then just like hold him, hold him with his head to one side, so his neck is very obviously exposed. Just like I, it's just I suggest you listen to the woman and I'll head home. <laughs> just like giving yeah. him a smile, letting my fangs stick out. <laughs> that hasn't rolled yet, but you could regret yeah. saying that. <laughs> I will, I will in a moment. So here's the sequence of events. A gunshot rings out as Mitch, who's taking shelter behind a streetlight, fires at the hunters and his bullet slams into a graffiti-tagged roller shutter behind the guy with the machete. Then, Tig raises his shotgun and fires straight at the guy with the crossbow, who's knocking another bolt into the shaft, raising it and pointing it straight at Bouncer to free Robin. Go ahead, make a composure firearms roll for me, please, Tig. Oh, com- uh, it's not so great. Mm-hmm. Only two successes. Only two successes. All right, I'll roll for him. Bang! The shotgun goes off, and the buckshot shreds the bark of a tree trunk about a metre away from where the guy with the crossbow is, showering him with splinters of wood. Knew I should have worn my cheaters today. At the last moment, he whirls around and fires at Tig. The crossbow bolt slams into Tig's chest, and Tig, you take... He got three successes, so that's two plus two. You take two points of superficial damage. Alright. Val. You detach your pistols from the little holsters near your boot and under your skirt, and then you step forwards, point 
a pistol at each of the hunters in front of you and start blasting. Go ahead, roll me a composure firearms. Oh no, she was firing into the sky. Um, uh, firing still, into the sky. Still doing her yeah. um, yep. uh, social game. Trying ah, to get yes. the fuck off. Point them both in the air and fire. Bang! Bang! Go ahead. Make it. <laughs> so anyway, I started blasting. So uh, yeah. charisma plus uh, intimidate. You won't get to add your presence as awe does not in it does not affect intimidate rolls, unfortunately. That's alright, that's still a two. Two? So two successes? Yeah, two successes. And as you tell them to turn away and to leave, Robin lets out a scream as a loud crack echoes through the empty street. Bouncer snaps his left arm and he drops his gun and then bearing the unfortunate hunter's neck, she bears her fangs. I suggest you listen to the lady. And you, Bouncer, may go ahead and make a strength intimidate check of your own and we'll add it to Val's. Uh, would I have had time for a daunt, or...? You can get your daunt up if you like, and add your presence to it. Five successes. Five successes, oof! Seven altogether, as you bark the words, the light, the ambient street light catches you in just the right way. Your features elongate, your teeth grow thinner, sharper, your eyes glimmer red with hatred. And the hunter, Injured, broken, grasped in your hands, peers up into the face of a demon. His eyes roll into the back of their sockets. And he falls limp, sinking into a dead faint. You feel your boots begin to... You, you feel something cold liquidy splashing against your boots you look down bouncer there's a big stain on the front of the hunter's jeans one guy left the guy with the machete he raises his machete and screams as tig's three dogs bare their teeth and pounce on him he screams bloody murder and then there's a sickening squelch, a growl as one of them sinks its teeth into his throat. A fountain of blood gushes forth, painting the dog's faces, turning them into hellhounds. Their eyes are glowing red at this point, by the way. And their eyes are glowing bright red as they begin to shred past his skin and rip the flesh off his bones. Just for a second, because it ain't Tig's highest discipline, but you know, it looks cool. 
just for a second. Mm. And then, the guy with the crossbow, the last one left, he reaches down, ready to grab another bolt to put into the shaft, and realises he's out. He raises his hands, the crossbow falls down, clattering to the asphalt. But Cross, he shot you. He's giving up. He's surrendering as he waves his hands, shakes his head and says, I've had enough, I've had enough, please, please, don't eat me. I'm just a kid. I'm only 17. As his eyes well with tears, Cross, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and make a resolve plus composure plus a third of your humanity roll for me. Christ, uh, well, thankfully that's a good roll for me. Uh, it's a good roll for me, too. It's a better roll for me. Uh, <laughs> three successes from nine. Three successes. Cross, you stand up, step out from cover, and stand in front of him. Bearing your fangs, and deep down, your beast is screaming, Kill him! Kill him! You feel your hands shake, you feel your entire body tremble. That's the first combat damage you've ever taken. That is the first time a mortal has dared to inflict pain upon you. You feel the anger welling up. You feel like sinking your fangs into his flesh and inflicting that pain back twofold. But you maintain your composure. The beast <sighs> lingers in the back of your mind like a rabid dog barely being held back by its owner, yanking the chain. And I'm going to give you a choice, Cross. You may let go of the chain and set the beast free. Or you may let this boy, this boy who's barely the age you were when you were embraced, Turn and flee. Live another night. Ah, oh, man. See, Jacross, this guy reeks of bully. Yeah, he does. But also, Cross isn't really evaluating things extremely rationally right now. Oh, jeez. I think that Cross would let go. Cross would let go. Your fingers unravel, releasing the chain. Cross leaps on to the boy, pinning him to the ground, sinking his teeth into the flesh, drinking, taking what the beast desires. And most importantly, giving the pain back 
For you see, the bite of a Hikata inflicts tremendous pain. And as you drink from him, he screams, shouting in pure agony as you take your first point of hunger, your second. And it doesn't matter that you don't intend to drink him dry. Because for each point of hunger you take, he takes aggravated damage equal to your bane severity. And when you're done, you wrench your fangs out, reducing your hunger to one, but leaving him broken, bleeding, dead at your feet. I feel uh, really good about this. This is this is good. I, f- I feel really good about this. Yeah. <sighs> Go ahead Valerie and add a stain, of... please, Cross. Valerie sticks her guns back in their holsters and says, Oh, God, we just finished cleaning up a previous masquerade breach. Yeah, hang we on. We can't just leave this here. Tig says he, for, he pulls out the list that Sam made him carry in his pocket. First, check for cameras. He looks around... And luckily, there ain't any CCTV on Moorable right. Street. Makes sense. They wouldn't jump us where there's cameras. All right. Second, muddy the waters. Back to the car, boys. And Tig walks over, picks up the revolver, and shoots it into the dead bodies. Then tucks it back in the living boy's hand. There we go. All right. One of the dogs tilts its head, looking affectionately at you. A piece of raw human flesh still dangling from its mouth. And then as it passes cross, it stops, wagging its tail, sniffs the air, and drops the hunk of flesh at Cross's feet before trotting like. onwards down the block. Well, Mama Duke likes you, ain't that a thing? All right. And uh, Tig goes and gets garbage bags from the back of his ute. Schlumps the bodies into him. Bouncer, can you help me carry him? Drop him in the river when I head back home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless Cross. anyone else has better body disposal tactics. Oh, no. As Tig, as Tig and Bouncer get to work, bundling the bodies up into black garbage bags... Cross and Val, you stand together in the awkward silence. You're vaguely aware of Mitch emerging from where he was hiding, peering down at the puddle of blood that now paints the asphalt red at Cross's feet. He shakes his head. Well, uh... I suppose it, uh, it 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 happens to the best of us. I I didn't I didn't mean to. Yeah, it's been a bit of a night, huh? I, I didn't mean to. We 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 ne- never mean to, says Mitch. Never never mean to, but but it it happens to all of us. It it it's happened to everyone here. I I dare say. Best yeah. to just uh, take it in stride. 
and uh, uh, don't shift realities Just... over it. Next time. No, I, I, I really, I really hurt him. Yeah, I'll say. Then if you don't like it, next time do better, alright? Yeah. Tell yourself you'll do better and then you do better. Because uh, the little green Muppet edit right, there is no try. You do or you do not. <laughs> Bouncer and Tig move down the street. Body bags hoisted over their shoulders. Leaving Cross contemplate the events of tonight and as we end the session as cross eventually hangs its head turns and follows mitch and val down the street to rejoin the others our omnipotent camera the camera of the storyteller zooms in upon the newspaper dispenser that Cross was hiding behind revealing the headline on the front page the morning herald Today's edition, the one that was sent out only an hour before, reads, Missing officer found bloodless, dead. A missing Victoria police officer has turned up dead in bizarre circumstances after a 48-hour search. The body of senior constable Mark Brick was discovered in a disused morgue locker following an intense search that traced the officer's movements since New Year's Eve. According to Victoria Police spokesperson Sergeant Rick Howard, Constable Brick had been allegedly mutilated and drained of a large volume of blood, the latest incident in a series of strange and unexplained deaths that have rocked the city. And that concludes this session. And the third and final night of who killed the king. The question has been answered. The question of who killed the king and who killed the other king. Tomorrow night, that's when it will all come together. Assembled at the Anarch Rant, with Barry Lovelace gloating, calling for your heads, while Baron Archibald looks on and impartially hears the evidence presented. It's going to shake the status quo of G-Town, and someone is going to die. Mark my words. At the end of this night, you all receive two experience points. And in addition, you each gain willpower equal to your resolve or composure, whichever is highest. And 
you heal a number of superficial damage equal to what your blood potency would allow. So if your blood potency allows you to heal one superficial damage with a heal, you get you that's how much you heal by bedding down for the day slumber. Yeah. I did the rolls to summon some snacks on the way home, so Tick went ahead and healed all of his stuff. Yep. Lovely. So who killed the king? It was Barry Jr., of course. The real question is, who's going to be the new king? Who shall ascend the throne next time on Lords of G-Town? <laughs>